Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello, welcome to Film Fandango, the film podcast. My name's David Reed. This is Marek Larwood's voice. This is my voice. There it is. Um, you still hate this. I don't, I don't mind. I've moaned a couple of episodes ago about being introduced in the same way. I've realised it's the only way since we've tried it twice now. Well, you try doing it. Just don't think about it. Just do it. Introduce well, the whole introduce show. The whole, thing. whole show. Go. Welcome to yet another episode <laughs> of... So cynical. <laughs> yet another one. Sorry. No, do All it in right. your way. Do it in your way. Welcome to yet another episode of... Film Fandango. It is a sort of film podcast in which we talk about films we've seen. My name is Marit Larwood. I'm just one of the people talking. The other person is coming up right now. He's going to introduce himself. Hello, my name's David Reed, and I shall also be talking about films. I even <laughs> affected how your tone I've made it more miserable. Yeah. But it's not just us. Though. It's not. We've got a guest, and it's rather a special guest. Film Fandango listeners. It's only bloody Danielle Ward. Oh, I thought you going to say Santa Claus. Oh, it's no. me, Dan- hello. hello. Hi, we've not seen each other for ages. <laughs> I was talking to the listeners. I, I, heard, I see yeah, you yeah. a lot, and you. You've been in... Uh, so you've been in a coma for four months. <laughs> I've been in a, a drastic coma, but I'm out now. It's still 1995, right? <laughs> oh, and Liam no. Herring on the telly. I love those guys. It's going to no, be no, no, the no. most bizarre culture <laughs> clash film of all time. It's like, oh, it's ten years later. What's it like for... That's um, 19 years later. 20, 20, yeah. So 18. 18 years. What is it like? And do films accurately portray what it's like to come out of a coma? <laughs> they do. Uh, it was a lot like the film While You Were Sleeping, in that all of my family had fallen in love with a man who met me on the train, and then I married him anyway. And what was his name? Tom Tuck. <laughs> no. <laughs> Where are we but I it? couldn't think of any other name. Um, no. Did you... No. While you were recovering in hospital... Yeah. Did you watch any films at all in the last four months or so? Yeah, I did, actually. They had... Um, you have to pay with a credit card these days in hospital, but I watched some films. I watched the film One Day... Which I quite enjoyed the book, the David Nichols book that everybody likes, makes everybody cry. Oh, I gave up reading that book. It's really, it's crap, isn't it? It's crap. I quite, I quite like the book. I like the book more than I thought I would. And then I watched the film. The film is so dull. Jim Sturgis is a dull man. What is this film about? For uh, our listeners' it's about, sake, it's about a, a pair of 
youngsters who meet um, on the day of the graduation at Edinburgh University and then it tracks their lovely life together um, one, one day, it's the 15th of July every year you see, that is the that is the device, rather than writing a normal novel like a person who can write properly he's yeah. chosen to do a device because he maybe couldn't handle How just the narrative structure How do you know that he didn't write all the other 364 days and just cut them and the publisher went these aren't good this is, a this, is a, yeah. this is a really dull diary. You've written yeah. a diary. Let's get rid of that. If you read the 13th of July, it's really, really good. Oh, I left something in the toilet today. <laughs> I thought it was all right. I thought the book was... I liked the book quite... The book was good. I'd give the book a 7 out of 10. Um, the film, I thought, was a bit... Anne Hathaway's good, but the film is a bit... Just a bit... Who, uh, who nothing, plays the nothing gentleman? Good. Jim Sturgis. Jim, I don't know who that is. He is in uh, 21, a card counting one, whatever it is. And he's also in that uh, Beatles musical across yes, the universe. He's good in that, yeah. but he—I don't like him because he on Wikipedia he calls himself a musician slash actor. He's also in Cloud Atlas as like well. Sting. Who's he in Cloud Atlas? He's a lot of people, as all the actors are. Yeah, I but did, which one really is like he? He's got a lot of makeup on, so you can. Is he the boyfriend of of he, he Ben Whishaw? He, uh, no, is he, he the boyfriend of the Korean dentist? Yes, he, he's the boyfriend of the futuristic Korean woman, the one who saves her. Okay, he yeah, makeup on. Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyone could say you in Cloud Atlas. You can't tell what's from the makeup. I was in Cloud Atlas. I played you in Cloud Atlas. I was. Um, you were Halle Berry's blonde Jewish woman, weren't yes. you? Yes. And I was a cannibal, and I was someone from the future. I played Hugh Grant in oh. uh, Cloud Atlas. That's what I've been doing. The actor Hugh Grant, he was busy, because he was in the film playing other people, so I'm just the actor Hugh Grant in the background. It's like a thousand, seven degrees of Cloud Atlas, they say, rather than <laughs> seven degrees of Kevin Bacon. Do you want to know what else I saw? Yes. Twelve Years a Slave. Hang on a minute, but this is not even out until 2014. Is it not? In in in, in England, January the twelfth. Wow. Is it really? This has got one of the highest ever ratings on Metacritic's because it's about slavery. And you, you, to get a top Oscar nominated <laughs> film, it's got to be about slavery. Nothing rates better than guilt. <laughs> I went to see Twelve Years a Slave at half past eleven at night on Forty Second Street in in America. Um, how is it? It was. I didn't like the popcorn. It's disgusting. No, how's the film? <laughs> <laughs> it's really good. It is really good. Michael Fassbender is um, insane in it, but then that also makes him really hot. But then he, he like he's really horrible, so you feel like even more guilt. Mm. It's like white guilt squared <laughs> because Fassbender. 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 Fassbender is a much better name. Fassbender. Mikhail Fassbender. Mikhail Fassbender. That's what he's called in uh, Dusseldorf. How is just Chutel? Ch- Ch- Chuitel. How do you pronounce his name? Uh, Chuitel is how you pronounce his Edio, first name. Edgeofor. Edgeofor. Yeah. Or Edgeofor, I don't Edgeofor. know. He is, he's brilliant. Um, he's, I, because I was out in America doing a play with a lady called Susie Wacoma, Susan Wacoma, who is very young, she's like 24, and she was in a film, I don't even know what film it was, with Chuitel. Did Susie Wacoma come and see you when you were in your coma? Yeah, she did. <laughs> And um, she said that when she was doing a sex scene with him, all he did was sweat on her, and she oh, said, really? and he sweat in her mouth during their <laughs> lovemaking scene. <laughs> and so, in twelve years a slave, he's really sweaty, and all I kept thinking was, he sweated in my friend's mouth. Was it? Did she say like, uh, he sweated in my mouth, or he sweated in my mouth? She was like, oh, he's really hot, but he sweated in my mouth. Maybe he was nervous. No, he does sweat a lot. I mean, that's a lot of nerves. That's how you keep in shape, isn't it? Sweat a lot. How do you sweat in someone's mouth? 
he was leaning over her and the sweat ran you know the nose oh, is like a, a, a con- collection conduit. point conduit yes. right yeah yeah look at yourself <laughs> The way you said that was if you... you know, <laughs> Isn't the right word. Well no, done, Marek. Yeah. The surprise in your voice. Yeah, it is. <laughs> you, you're slowly learning to speak. <laughs> I feel like I've been working with Helen Keller all these months. I'll conjure you in a minute. I beg, sorry. Before we... I was really patronised. <laughs> anyway, 12 Years a Slave is... Um, it is brilliant... And it has one of my favourite Steve McQueen quirks, which is noisy food. Um, <laughs> if you've seen Hunger, noisy toast, shame, a very noisy glass of wine. And 12 Years a Slave has some noisy... <laughs> <laughs> noisy what? What? What's happened here? What's happened? Danielle's silently laughing now. It's <laughs> recollection of whatever noisy food it was. What was it? Was it maize? Was it corn? What's happened? It's <laughs> just broken. At least you, if you're going to laugh, at least make some noisy <laughs> laugh. <laughs> it's noisy blackberries. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Sometimes when you come out of, uh, recently come out of a coma, <laughs> you... <laughs> you get hysterical at the recollection of berries. Buddy, help Danielle out. I don't know why. I don't know what I'm crying. <laughs> <laughs> well, it sounds like 12 Years a Slave is a laugh riot. I'm going to read if anyone else mentions the noisy black breeze from 12 Years a Slave. You've got to. Tw- you've got to. It's, it's the rule of three. The noisy. T- <laughs> I don't know what's happening. The noisy toast. Yep, the, the noisy, noisy red wine, wine. And then the noisy blackberries. It's the rule of. Th- Michael McIntyre would love that joke. <laughs> I don't even know what's happening now. <laughs> oh, okay. I've been under a lot of stress. <laughs> For those listeners who don't, we should explain Daniel hasn't actually been in a coma. No. No. She's been in New York in a play. So if you are... Did you meet any film stars? Oh, yeah. You did, didn't you? You did. Only a couple. Who did you meet? Well, I met um, Meryl Streep. Really? Yeah, she came back. Well, because Phila Lloyd was the director who directed Mamma Mia and the Iron Lady. So she came backstage to her dressing room, or I say backstage, round the corner through the dog piss to the dressing room. Um, and Why she, does she stink of dog piss? She really does. Um, and she spoke to everybody individually, like <gasps> like a queen or a god would. <laughs> well, everyone was lined up like the Royal Yeah. Well, we were all we had a very long dressing room table, and so we were all around it. And she came and spoke to us. And um, when she was introduced to me, uh, Felinda said, "And Danielle plays the bass." And she said, "I know she does. It was amazing." Don 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 don. And what did you what did you do to that? I curtsied. <laughs> Baseline back. I didn't do a baseline back. I actually curtsied. Oh, did you wow. say anything? I just said thank you very much. Did she? What did she look like? She looked Which Meryl did she look like? Beautiful. Did she? Yeah, How, she's got great skin. Is it plastic surgery or is it? No, clean? it's it's her face. She's about sixty, isn't she? Well, we had um, Stockard Channing also come in, and that's an example of plastic surgery. Stockard Channing is the one who played in Greece, isn't she? Yeah, she's Rizzo from Greece. Rizzo from Greece. That was very exciting and as well. And she is um, the, the president's wife in the West Wing. I was in the, one of those Facebook things, who you most like out of Greece, I got Rizzo. I got Rizzo. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. Yeah. 
This means if you've thought of one negative thing, yeah. then you're going to lose it. <laughs> <laughs> and you don't like porn, otherwise yeah. you'd be knicky. Yeah, oh, yeah, is that yeah, what yeah, it yeah, is? Yeah, that's what it is. Mm. I should be knicky then. Um, what else did you... Uh, who else did you meet? You met someone else. You went to a party around Gandalf's house. Yeah, well, it was Peter Jackson's house. What? But, <laughs> but Ian McKellen was living there. Peter Jackson was busy in New Zealand filming The Hobbit 2, probably. And he was... Or 3, Surely Ian McKenna should have been out there filming it then. I think he'd he's finished. finished I think yeah. done, he's, yeah. doing, he's doing Wait for Godot now with Patrick Stewart. And wasn't Legolas there as well? Legolas was there for a little bit. He went and looked at a wall and then left. <laughs> Did you speak to any of these people? Yes, I spoke to Orlando Bloom at another party. Um, and boring? No, I really liked him. Because I think he's like a normal bloke. Oh, OK. He's not very actory. And so some of the actor people didn't like him because he wasn't reactory, but I thought, he's just like a normal bloke. He's like a bloke who got lucky, really. Yeah. Um, well, and, that's what he is. Yeah, I mean, that is what he is. <laughs> and I went to... Um, Susan Sarandon also came backstage uh, after coming to see the play, and she invited us to her ping-pong club. I've been there, Spin. Spin, yeah. I went there when it just opened. Really? It's all blue. Yeah. I went there with... Um, uh, when I went to New York with Sophie Black. Oh, right. And I, I, I was in table tennis at the time... And the whole place is blue, and the only people there were basically a, a um, stereotypical Swedish kid and a, playing like a sort of Japanese looking kid. Yeah. Really, really great. And people come around and pick up your table. They sweep up your table tennis balls, don't they? Yeah. It's amazing. And uh, it was a Friday night, so that's when they have the dance off. I won the dance off. What moves did you do? Some right dirty moves. I wasn't even drunk, I hadn't <laughs> had anything to drink. Because for some reason, it never occurred to me to drink from the theatre to the place we were going. I never did that. Um, yeah, so I won that. And then I got a hug off Susan Sarandon. And then we had a chat about table tennis. Wow. It sounds like a magical adventure. We should make a blooming film out of that. We should do. I mean, it's like... Also, though, I, I got very homesick and I didn't like the food. So, you know. <laughs> there are bad sides to America as well. There are. And, you know, I went for a walk in the woods one day and there was gunshots because it's hunting season. What woods? <clears throat> Our woods. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well. We should start talking about films then. Yeah, yeah Tales from America. Well, that was film stars. Um, well, have we got any letters before we... Danielle's picked a film for us to discuss, but uh, do we have any well, um, correspondence? There's a... Someone's written on our Facebook page, and there's a letter, oh, there's a letter first of all, an email. T- what if? What would we do if, if I, say I wanted to email in or get, get in touch with us? Well, what you can do is um, you can email us at dearfilmfandango yes, at gmail.com. Or just write on a Facebook wall if you're already logged in, which is forward slash Film Fandango. Okay. Or just tweet us at Film Fandango. That sounds good. Yeah. Um, here's a letter from James Hunt, and he wants this to be read in Chris Hemsworth's accent. <laughs> what, from Thor? No, from Rush. Um, you've seen Rush. I he, haven't. Oh, I see what it is. He wants to do in James Hunt's a voice from Rush. I can't do it because it's, it's very old. It's English. I've not seen it. James Hunt sort of a posh English That's voice. Boris. That's all I can do, Boris Johnson. Do that. Hello. Uh, <clears throat> I do it as Boris Johnson. Hello, American <laughs> Deed. Sorry, Daniel, Daniel says, because you've been in the coma oh. for a former. That's okay. I've got some experiences to share about that. Share that podcast 108 brought to mind. This is when you just come back from New York. 
Did you go to New York as well? I did go to New York. We should have hooked up. M- must have just missed each other. Regarding in-flight movies, last time I, uh, I flew, I made a point of watching Fight Club, purely to see how tactfully they dealt with the various plane-related scenes. As it turned out, they didn't bother, leaving in things like Ed Norton's character imagining an explosion, explosive decompression on a plane and Project Mayhem swapping in the in-flight safety instructions with pictures of people dying. Luckily, I have no fear of death. <laughs> <laughs> But I imagine it'd be a shock for any nervous flyers who choose to watch Fight Club for the first time. Regarding poor cinema experiences, I've had several, but the one that sticks with me most happened at Ealing Empire, where the real snap during the final act of Hot Fuzz. They didn't have another copy, so we were given a free ticket to return within a week. Rather than re-watch 90% of the film, just to see the end, we went back home and downloaded a poor quality camera cam sync, which is precisely what we were trying to avoid by going to cinema in the first place. The Union Empire was either demolished or for renovation. It's yet to be rebuilt. We do not miss it. No. And he's asked, he has requested that he's done that James Hunt voice. That's very Thank good, you. James Hunt. Yes, James Hunt. <laughs> Thank you, James Hunt. Wow. And we've had another email in from um, uh, Jacob Mills. I don't know where he's from, but he does say cheers y'all at the end. Cheers y'all. Y'all? Who says y'all? Texans. Yeah. Oh my <clears throat> god. Tex I can't do specific America. That's do beyond me. Southern American accent. Just do Forrest Gump. Well <laughs> I don't know how to do that. Hello y'all. Finally started actually watching the films before listening to the podcast. Turns out it's even more interesting that way. Watching a film called The Freshman on the Movie Mix channel where Marlon Brando plays opposite Matthew Broderick. Brando plays the Godfather, not just a similar role, the exact character, although he seems to have lost any enthusiasm for it. Has this happened in another movie? A character completely transferred? Anyway, please review A Room for Romeo Brass. I know it's been mentioned in passing, but think it deserves a bit more discussion. Cheers, y'all. And that was from uh, Jacob Mills. Oh, one beat, two beat, three beat, sugar beat, four beat, five beat, six beat, we to beat, seven beat, eight beat, nine beat. Can't remember it. My heart beats for you. That's a room for him. Room for us. Brilliant film. Brilliant film. Paddy Considine is an absolute legend. Can do no wrong. Um, people repeating uh, parts. Surely it happens all the time after that one breakout role and they're never allowed to do anything different again. I think Robert... We talked about Robert Nero being the fallen from grace last yeah, week. Yeah, yeah. I think he just does... He just totally phones in, doesn't he? Yeah. But he doesn't really play sort of... He doesn't do, you know, young Vito Corleone or or um, Travis Bickle or anything, does he again? He just sort of does his comedy old man. I think he had a scare... And has just stuck with whatever he was acting at the time. <laughs> what? Like the wind changed and yeah. his face got stuck? I think stuck. maybe on the set of... Meet uh, the Parents. Meet the Parents, he saw a ghost. <laughs> <laughs> and he got so afraid. He's made no creative decisions. I don't think he can. Wow. I think it's a musculoskeletal. Oh, God. So we've just been laughing at a disabled man. Yeah. Yes, we have. <laughs> it's another one of Danielle's fascinating insights. <laughs> a podcast, seminal podcast. <laughs> um, who? There must be 
someone who's just done that again and again. Well, but then it's hard to know if some actors are capable of doing much more than it. You know, Hugh Grant's <clears throat> breakout role in Four Weddings, he's certainly done that role again and again and again, but I think he is capable of more. Yes, whether it's the actor's fault or yeah. it's the casting, I think it's the casting director more yeah. than the Yeah, they actor. just say range kills careers in Hollywood. Well, but, but not necessarily true. Look at, at Robin Williams. Like, he's asked to do that Robin Williams shtick so many times, but he's also not done it and been excellent not doing in it as well. little tiny indie films, though. Well, little tiny indie films? Yeah. I guess so, but yeah. Insomnia wasn't that small. Yeah, Robin oh, Williams went was from... really dull, He went though. from... Um, I didn't like it. Yeah. We, we talked about this before, from Flubber to One Hour Photo and Insomnia. Yeah. yeah. It's the same thing. If you look on the on the circle... Clown is literally next to paedophile <laughs> at the start of the circle. Really? It is. Yeah. So it's not that far to travel. I wouldn't even step into that look, circle. It's just it's going acting, backwards. It's the acting circle. And if you want to be a performer, David, you have to I step, have to step into, into it. it. Where are you in the circle? It, that one will you. Straddling that line. Yeah. Oh, dear. Oh. So, Daniel, you, have you brought in a film for us to talk about this, this Christmas? This I thought I'd go for the most Christmassy film <laughs> I could find, um, but then I didn't want to watch that one. So uh, I have chosen Vampire's Kiss. Vampire's Kiss. Vampire's Kiss, which is a, a film like I, I can watch any Nicolas Cage film in the same way. Nicolas Cage, Tom Cruise, and Jason Statham. I watch anything they do, even if it's rubbish, as a lot of it is. And uh, Vampire's Kiss. Have you seen that? There's a there's a YouTube thing going around a, a couple of years ago of all Nicolas Cage's most mental bits of cinema acting and a lot of it was from Vampire's Kiss which I'd never seen and so I thought this is on Netflix and I watched that. So for our listeners what is Vampire's Kiss? Vampire's Kiss is a film about a man it's the 80s he's working on Wall Street or something. He's a literary agent. He's a literary agent so he's working in a high pressure job in New York he doesn't get to hang out with Orlando Bloom or Susan Sarandon and this (laughs) makes him go a little bit Crazy, and one night he has a he has a one night stand with a lady, uh, Jennifer Beals from Flashdance, and she bites his neck because she is a vampire, and he is slowly turning into a vampire. Or is he? And it's um it's basically uh, American Psycho, but better, I think. It is. It's about exactly it's the about same a story as American profile, Psycho. Hardworking executive who goes insane. Is that what? <sighs> This is the most mental film yeah. I've seen in a lot. I think long it while. isn't a mental film. I think it's a mental performance. Yes. Yeah. yeah, it's a. I, the I think film it's a really is good fairly film. like standard, decent screenplay. Like it's about a man who you think is turning into a vampire, but or is he actually just going insane? But the shot, even the shots are a bit rubbish. The opening titles. The music sounds like someone's done it on their Bon Tempe keyboard. <laughs> and it's, it's, I know it's in the 80s. Like a vampire I word. It, I think it's very late 80s cinematography. But then when you think of things like ghost, what stuff in the 80s had like Gremlins and Ghostbusters and all the, uh, you know, Terminator. We're having a glass of wine to celebrate our Christmas. If you can hear that being poured in the background. You would um, if it was a Steve McQueen film. Glug, 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 glug. Blackberries. Yeah, of course. <laughs> This is one of the most mental films I've ever seen. I didn't realise Nicolas Cage was that mental until I... And it was his, this was his breakthrough film. Yeah, this is... No, the, well, the, no. This, uh, this was before leaving Las Vegas, which yeah. was his big... I mean, that's what really pushed him, because that was the Oscar. Did he win an Oscar or just get nominated? 
think he won it. I think he, he won, won it, yeah. He's definitely won he one. He was already known because uh, he'd done Moonstruck with Cher. I think that was before Vampire's Kiss, which and she won an Oscar for that. So he was already known, but Vampire's Kiss was the one where he went from being a little bit kooky to this guy can do some very strange things in front of the camera and not really be that bothered about it. His performance is, is just... Utterly insane. It's baffling. Like, he, he doesn't keep one foot in reality at all. He, like, actors talk about choices a lot. You yeah. know, the choices they make when they're doing it. And you just, I don't understand where he got that from at it all. It is incredible. I, so I, it's one of the films when you watch it, you immediately go online and read about it. Yeah. I actually did it while I was watching mm-hmm. the film. I had to stop this and go, right, I don't understand if the director intended this to happen or if it was done am I is it some sort of hidden message so I looked up tried to find some interviews with him and he said it was the first film they all made and he's he, I saw an interview from Total Film or something online and he's picked out his like his fifth favourite performance and how he tried to make it uh, get physical do physical comedy of Nosferatu and Dracula yeah. through the physicality <clears throat> of it it's ridiculous I'm, how would you describe it? Ridiculous. Like, that. It, there's no other word for it. Like, you you have to commend his commitment. I don't think you, you can not. Like, because he does not care. He is going as big as he can go on this. But it doesn't work. <laughs> I, I think it's a really bold gamble, but it does not work. It's like he points for no... He, office. Yeah. he breaks. He changes, his, changes his accent. He breaks the film. That that's another thing. He changes accent throughout, depending on who he's talking to. And apparently, it was a conscious choice that he he decided the character was disingenuous. So to put on this different voice when talking to talking down to people as to when he was being more himself. Um, but it just makes the whole thing. It seems what it does, and it's interesting because you rarely see an actor go that big. Is that the film becomes about Nicolas Cage and mm. not about the story. I think it is the most mental performance I've ever, se- I've ever seen. It's like a stage performance and then some. But even now, I'm not for words trying to describe <laughs> yeah, it. No, it I'm is. watching it going, what, what, how, how did this happen? How is it? I don't even know. I still don't know what's going on. <laughs> you don't know how do you mean what's going on in terms of in the film, production know, of it what, did everyone go yeah that's great Nicholas <laughs> that's great just uh, totally it's someone being totally mental and because of my experience with Nicholas like yours I've seen Nicholas Cage at mental before yeah. and it works in Leaving Las Vegas and it works in, in things like adaptation it's great it's really interesting seeing yeah. him being slightly odd and quirky and sometimes <laughs> doesn't work this is like the National Treasure, Captain Corelli's Mandolin. Yeah, um, this is this is oh right. And suddenly I understood a whole new side. I thought, oh he's meant he's totally meant I have never seen like I've never seen someone break up a performance break a break a piece of either film or T V apart so much with a performance while still being technically good. If you yes. see what I mean, like it's not like he's it's not like the acting is bad, it's just does, it's, it's just wrong. It's the wrong choice rather than rather than uh, the right choice poorly done. Yeah, I mean that's why, but that's what makes it fascinating, and also what makes it a really enjoyable film to watch. And also, what does I make think it a bad film? It would make an incredible um, uh, double bill, an actual spiritual partner. I think these are spiritual partner with showgirls. 
The only other performance I can think of like this is uh, Elizabeth Berkley in Showgirls, where you just go, what? Are you doing? I thought, it was diff- I thought it was just, this was the maddest thing I've ever seen. I think it's very different because I think Elizabeth Elizabeth Berkeley is a bad actor trying to do something. I don't know. I think she's cage. trying to be out there and huge, and it's the wrong choice. I mean, that's why Showgirls is one of my favourite films. But do you see what I mean? It's yeah, the, no, the I same do. thing where the the central performance is so baffling; it's sort of wonderful. Yeah, it's watchable. It's just so watchable because you can't believe it's happening or that it... That it was allowed quality. to be made. Yeah. Yeah. But it's if not you, a bad film. The thing is, it isn't a bad, it film. Is a bad film. Really? I don't yeah. think it's a bad film at I all. Don't I think, think it's it a really is. good I film. I think everyone else is great in it. I think it's a good screenplay. Some of the shots are terrible when they're going to parties and everyone's just... That's the 80s. It, I mean... The, I, I think it is a bad film. It's, it's interesting that it is the exact... Um, story arc structure of American Psycho and this film came out before the book was written so he copied this film I think <laughs> no, I have no idea <laughs> he went I, no I like it I can make it better the problem with this film is it's not good that's what they need they need it to be I, good yeah, and then... it was my favourite Nicolas Cage film I've seen for a long time Vampire it's Kids. certainly this better than the remake of The Wicker Man this led to him being a star you know this is a Whereas Elizabeth Berkeley killed her career. Mm. Yes, but I think that's misogyny in Hollywood. Okay. I don't think that's got anything to do with one being better than the other. No, it's misogyny in the fact it, she was so nude for if so Nicolas much If Nicolas Cage had been a lady doing that performance, he'd have never worked again. And it, I truly believe that. He's all into the Coppers, isn't he? Though? Yeah. yeah. He's a, his uncle is uh, Francis Ford Coppola. Yeah, he's very good. He's got a, his lazy eyes and his odd face are great. <laughs> he's watchable he's what's your favourite Nicolas Cage film uh, Leaving Las Vegas ok mine used to be Leaving Las Vegas but I think it's Con Air Con Air is his first is his breakthrough to being an A-list uh, not just a kooky art film guy apparently Nicolas Cage is only 49 according to Wikipedia that must be a lie no so in this film he was like 24 5 well, it's possible maybe actually was he that young? In my head, he's always been really old. No, I think he's just got a receding hairline. We all know what that feels like. Well, actually, we don't. Only I know. <laughs> um, he called his son Kal-El after Superman because he was such a big fan. But after he lost all of his money, he had to sell his uh, issue number one of Superman to try and recoup some of the money back. Did you know he also bought a car with this some sort of Cobra, some odd car? With it, he got paid forty thousand dollars apparently for being in this film. He bought a car on it, which he calls his Vampire's Kiss car. Really? That's a bit of trivia. That's all the stuff I was reading whilst watching the film and being horrified by it. What is happening? I mean, I I find it odd that we're questioning Nicolas Cage's performance when Jennifer Bills is awful in this. No, she's just playing a vampire. You know, she's doing what any any bit actress would do in Buffy. No, she's not as good as Drusilla. There's a vampire. The woman, it's, it's... it ends up being really funny, even though it's horrible. Is his receptionist who he just bullies basically throughout yeah. the whole, just psychologically bullies throughout the entire film, is uh, the main woman in the Running Man. Yes, yeah. that's a good. That's a good. 80s that is a good eighties film. film. Uh, we talked about American Psycho briefly. Are you going to go and see American Psycho the musical, starring Matt Smith? <clears throat> it's very hard to get to. You're it. joking? No. no. The only musical I've... I enjoyed Avenue Q 
And I thought the Book of Mormon was excellent. Yeah, yeah. Love the Book of Mormon. This is I've the got thing. No interest in paying fifty quid to musical. I can watch. I can watch three films. It's that's how I feel about theatre. It's on at the Almeida though, so it won't be that expensive. It's not on in the West End, but I don't think it's a comedy. Why would you not make it like American Psycho is a very the film's really funny. Yeah, and that's because Christian Bale is really Christian funny. Christian Bale is very funny. Isn't it? Um, the but, book is awful. Is it really? I quite enjoyed the book, but it's I didn't. Lists. didn't lists. I didn't really read the boring, the the, boor, the satirical boring chapters. I didn't read because I thought they were meant. I thought they were a joke on you the reader. Say, I get this. Yeah, no, I thought it was him. Go, I thought it was Brett Easton Ellis going. No one would be stupid enough to read this whole chapter about Huey Lewis and the news. So I didn't read those chapters. What I think is odd is the spread of successful uh, films, and or vice versa. And they sort of spawn book. Now it seems to be more. They'll just we'll do a musical of that now. Yeah, we'll do the film of that. We'll do the uh, something else. You know, it's odd, isn't it? It's, it's sad that musical it now has to be has well, to be a previous intellectual property for it to be. A I musical. was going to. I had this very funny idea. I thought of doing um, a, a one-hour show, Edinburgh or maybe not, um, of doing someone pitching the idea of Rocky the Musical because that seemed ludicrous. Yeah. And so I'd do excerpts from it and I'd act out scenes. Rocky the Musical is opening on Broadway next year. Wow. Yeah. You can't do... And, and there's already through the Big Fish hole. the musical. Like, what, why do you make Big a musical fish. of Big Fish? The Tim Burton film. The musical. Like, it wasn't even a success. It, oh, yeah. a, They realise they can make money out of it. Yeah. Did you know, I just, I'm segueing on to our next thing, uh, that only 7% of British films make money. Really? It's quite depressing, which leads me to a documentary I watched, which is quite interesting to talk about. If For listeners who don't know, we <sighs> might be surprised. We're all from a comic background, so we go to the Edinburgh Festival. We used to go to the Edinburgh Festival, which is a big sort of... Uh, Money co- pit. Yes. It's essentially in the film industry. Oh, I said essentially. Yeah. <laughs> oh. I say every point, I'm like a f- bad footballer. Uh <laughs> It's a film called Official Rejection, which follows these people who've made their film called Ten to One or something. Um, they're not the most charismatic people. They're sort of slightly overweight Americans, so I didn't really like them. But it was quite interesting how they how we have to apply to all the the whole um, film festival circuit. And is there and a the registration costs. fee? It's a big rip off. And yeah. I spoke to one of our friends of the show. I watched it with Paul Allen, who made a film called Big Font Large Spacing. He yeah. came to be on the show. He sort of told told me about it and showed me what it's like. It's a similar to the Edinburgh Festival, it works in film where they they pay to like fifty quid viewing fees, a hundred a hundred dollar viewing fees to send their film off to all these festivals to get accepted. Yeah. And some of the ones they turn up to are little more than just halls, and they show us in the film some guy who's brought all his family down, who's oh. paid, who's only ha- had to pay for tickets, you know, for all his friends and family. To you know how big America is, yeah. travel miles and miles and miles. It's an expense to have his film shown, well, not shown, where the projector doesn't work, people don't know what they're doing, people are turning up, they haven't sorted it out, there's no, it's essentially... And you sure he wasn't on at the underbelly? He wasn't on. It's, it's a similar thing happens in every industry. Yeah. yeah. Same in comedy as well. Just the actual artists getting ripped off by the people making at festivals they want to have their thing yeah, what, shown. Yeah, it's like the music industry as well. Like, you know, you get to a point where... You've got to buy tickets off the promoter. 
and then yeah. sell them to your friends and that happens so much or you like you're getting paid 50 quid to headline a gig when there's seven of you in a band all that sort of business it is disgusting i guess at least with the film thing you've got you've got a product that you can put online i think it's hard to do that now to make money out of it because it takes the costs are so huge yeah but if you want to see what the we all talk, we talk even in films we talk about our blockbusters here all these huge numbers of films being made that are lost and the experience of a filmmaker and just what pain in the ass is official rejection is an interesting flawed documentary mm. but it still shows that side of the industry and how how it controls what we watch mm. I, I wanted to bring everyone down to what a happy point to end yeah, really, mm. yeah why don't we play a game to end <clears throat> yeah okay we play a game yes what game are you going to why don't we play the radio times game we've still got it lying around from christmas yeah and listeners can play along right yeah so uh danielle is going to read the description of a film and Marek and i we get uh we need to try and guess what film it is we just do best of we haven't done our christmas casting game oh we do, do that first while i look do you want to do that as well find some films yeah we do a recasting thing and i'll tell you who wins we're recasting Die Hard do you want to do that yeah alright fine we'll do that and then we'll play this to end I completely forgot about that well I I noticed we missed out the middle I was like well let's move on it's Christmas time you know oh fine okay so we're going to recast Christmas film Die Hard we're going to recast John McClane Bonnie McClane and Hans Gruber so Danielle, you're going to uh, pick the best for each. I would like... Um, no, don't tell us who you'd like to play them. No. Just, <laughs> just, I would just... like Marek to go first. Okay. Um, with which, which, which character? Oh, with John McClane. Oh, we're starting with John McClane. Okay. okay, then. Yeah, yeah, start with John McClane. I'm going I'm for really obvious safe picks. Okay. He's got to be young. Yeah. He's got to be muscly and can be funny and charming. I know who you're going sexy. for. Also yeah. sexy. I know you're going for. Channing Tatum. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I thought he was the obvious choice and I racked my brains for someone other than him. So I've oh, gone for it? someone more bald. Jason Statham. Oh, Statham would have been the other choice. Yeah. That's pretty, pretty you, tough. Statham hasn't got the charisma. Oh, he though. does. He hasn't. Statham can do no wrong. It's not our choice. It's Danielle's choice. I think I'm going to go for Channing Tatum. Yes. I mean, Statham's too obvious. What? Channing Tatum isn't? No. It's, it's not as obvious as Jason Statham is, because you immediately go bald. Yeah, you've gone bald. No, I've gone for action star who's, well, who's you know, who's still want, around. Who do you want next, Danielle? Bonnie. Bonnie Tyler. <laughs> Bonnie McCain. Okay. You can go first. If you like. Right. Okay. So it's got to be someone believably married to Channing Tatum. Yes. Um, is a bit spunky. Mm-hmm. Um, a bit feisty. A little bit feisty. Little bit feisty. Um, I'm gonna go for. Thing is, Bonnie McLean is such a non-character. It's really quite right, difficult. Yeah, Should have gone, yeah. gone for the cop. Should have gone for the cop. Yeah. The guy in the car? Yeah. Mm. Go on then. I'm going to go for my, I think my favourite leading lady of that age at the moment, Emily Blunt. Oh, no, I can see that. Yeah, it's a good choice. I'm going for the person I'm in love with, Christina Hendricks. You're in love with Christina Hendricks? I love her. Not Jennifer Lawrence? No. Um, also, Christina Hendricks is above Jennifer Lawrence. I don't no. Because really. really of the wow. ass? No, just I love her face. 
Oh, okay. Uh-huh. Um, and then Hans Group. Oh, I need to pick a winner, don't pick, I? Uh, of Emily, Emily Blunt. Yeah. Christina Hendricks. Okay. Channing okay. Tatum. What sort of marriage is that? Hans Gruber. Hans Gruber. Might go first. Yeah. It's an obvious there's two, one. There's two people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's one... It, it, well, you'll probably go for the other one. <laughs> the two greatest villains around at the moment. They all play all the villains. Who have to be I'm, Germanic. Yeah, I haven't gone for Germanic, though. Who, oh, I've, gone for so Hispa- I've gone for Hispanic. Oh. Javier Bardem, who's amazing. Who can oh. do... You know, oh, he'd stifle. be good. He, yeah. he's got that. he would be very good. And then there's the other one, which you'd probably go You've got for. Christoph Waltz, well, yeah. no, I thought we can't go for Christoph Waltz. Probably because obvious. he's too obvious, and... I picked him for the Bond villain and it got picked. So I can't pick him for the villain for this I as feel well. bad picking Javier Bardem because he's so... It's just based him in, in uh, Skyfall. Yeah. yeah. Um, I've not seen Skyfall. Oh. Okay, in which case, let's think. I'm going to go for... Um, ooh, I bloody love him. I won't win, but I love him and I want to give him my, uh, nice. my seal of approval. Uh, Jürgen Prochnow, who is in uh, Das Boot. He's the German uh, U-boat commander in Das Boot. He's also in bit part in uh, uh, The Da Vinci Code he's in, and he's in Dune, your favourite film. I didn't um, really enjoy Dune. Well, he, he, that's who he is. Jürgen Prochnow. I'm going to look him up. He's excellent. He's really, no, he is very really good. good. Hasn't he been in, wasn't he in View to a Kid or something? Beautiful. I'm sure he's a bad guy in a Bond film. Oh, he looks. He does. He looks like um, Jason. Uh, no, Steven Seagal. Steven Seagal. What? No, he doesn't. He does a little bit, yeah. Um, I'm going to say half point each. Everybody starts the new year as a winner. Don't you dick. <laughs> so I have to mock up a photo of half Jurgen Prock now half. Javier Bardem. Javier Bardem won in the last challenge. As, I know, but he just... As, as Gomez Adams. He can't be Hans you know Gruber as well. I don't care about who's good. What I really think, I just want to win. Oh. <laughs> like the Ger- like a German sentiment. Oh, in that case, David wins. Yeah. Okay. His Your pop- sportsmanship has been found one No, thing. let's play the, the listings game just for a little bit. Okay, okay. best of three then. Okay, best, best of three. three. Best of three. First one to the punch. Would we do buzzers or something? Uh, just shout when you know it. This is going to be, but this is after the pause. This is not going to be enjoyable for them, is it? Yeah. Wait, wait till I get to the end. Okay. Pause and then shout out. Okay. When I put my hand up. Right. Okay. <laughs> so, character travels to London to find out who's impersonating him in an effort to recruit a crew who go on a quest to find the legendary Fountain of Youth. The blustering buccaneer is soon up to his neck in trouble as he becomes embroiled in a race to find the favoured fountain between Blackbeard's daughter Angelica and his old adversary Barbossa. I know, I know, I know as well. Which one is it though? It's Pirates of the Caribbean on Stranger Tides. What were you going to say? Oh, I thought it was Indiana Jones. David has won a point. Yeah. It's the fourth Pirates of the Caribbean film. I I stopped listening because I thought it was Indiana Jones from the start. The Fountain of Youth? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's the Holy Grail in Indiana Jones. Okay, here's another one. And just shout out this time because um, it's... But the listeners want to have a chance. Have a chance to think. Oh, all right then. I love radio. Who cares about that? They don't think as lightning fast as Marek and I. Okay. I can assure you that 94% of them do. (laughs) Okay, <laughs> let's find not that one. That's not a no one's heard of that. Um, I'm not looking. Okay, 
A character sets off to rescue his son, who has been netted by a scuba diver. A character off to um, rescue his son? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh. Finding Nemo. Yeah! yeah. Oh, this is a beep thing, then. All right, then, one I more. I realised it wasn't human. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a great plot if they well, were I've human. I've lost this. I've already lost. One this more. the last one. The last one, one is worth three points. Okay, then, fine. You said it now. Um... A man twinkles as a department store Santa in this warm-hearted remake of a seasonal classic. Uh, me, the Wicker Man. <laughs> Miracle on 34th Street. Which one? Uh, the remake. Yes! <laughs> well, said it was go. a remake. There we go. David wins both of the challenges. I think David knows more films than you. I don't think you know films. I don't. I'm uh, masquerading. Don't know any films. I don't know anything. Oh... Well, do you want a double or quits? One no, more. No. Yeah, you do. I'm, just, I'm, I'm already five points out of three, so I'm, I'm, go I'm to enjoying this. And get some dinner. I'm trying to find the, the smaller listings, you see. Okay. Mm, okay. Last one, then, listeners. A lack of novelty aside, there's plenty of action, excitement, and humour. <laughs> what? <laughs> I'll start again. A lack of novelty aside, there's plenty of action, excitement, and humour to be found in this reboot for the superhero. Oh, what a superhero. Humour. Okay, is it The Amazing Spider-Man? It is. Yes. Right, thanks very much for listening. (laughs) Ending on that. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, everyone. We'll be back in 2014. With a review of all the films we've enjoyed in 2013. Do you want to say goodbye, buddy? That's right. Snuffle that microphone. Um... Um, yes, have a very happy new year. We'll be back next year. Hey, and keep watching the films. No. Bye. No. Yeah. No. <laughs> that's our sign Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.